if we were to face like a complete shutdown of uh, like a censorship where you have like people being arrested for thought crimes and something that's going on in the UK, you know, like you could be visited by the authorities if you say anything against the government's uh, policies of importing third world imports and setting them up on the welfare system and uh, escalation in crimes that's surpassing even like uh, New York and London acid attacks, the uh, trucks apiece and things like that, the random Right. Uh, inexplicable uh, uh, stabbing sprees that are going on to, to speak rape. against. Yeah. Rape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, to, to be speaking against that or to question the uh, policies of the politicians as being pegged as uh, uh, as hate crimes. Right. Get that to an, a certain extent where, you know, like you have no freedom of expression whatsoever. We're talking about a clampdown on censorship and there has to be a line drawn somewhere in, in, in the in, in the sand where it be- becomes a matter of armed uh, rebellion. But the the unfortunate thing there is is that of course that does not mean necessarily that people question the apparatus of the state as a whole. They're just questioning that specific government that's in power right now, not the concept of a government. Transmitting directly from the launch pad. Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. Rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, is this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my ray of truth, the beautiful Rayleigh Lightheart. Hi, guys. Hello, Johnny. Bam. How you doing? I'm having a great time. My, it was a weekend, so I'm having a, a... Yeah, I know. Got to sleep in, hang out with my husband and kids. Oh, really? Yeah. That's great. That's great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm getting ready to... Uh, I'm getting everything packed up, ready to rock and roll to Arizona. I'm really excited for you. How are you doing? <sighs> you know... It sucks because I'm going to get rid of a lot of stuff. I know. I'm like getting, I'm just like, it's a good excuse to clean too at the same time. Because I have like all these clothes. I'm like, what the hell am I going to wear? Like I got this like suit from the 70s. I'm like, do I really want this? Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's not really from the 70s, but it's like I got stuff that I have not worn in like 10 years. And I'm like, why am I bringing this around with me all these years? It's a new start. It's a new life. And then it's, it's time to just go on the adventure. I know. I'm with you. I'm with you. And the cool thing is, though, Kim and I are starting a new studio down in Arizona. I know. We're going to be splitting and and working from two different studios from now on. I know. It's crazy. It's going to be nuts. Actually, it's going to be crazy. And we're just looking for a new name. Because you're going to take over Base One. Yeah, I'm taking over Base One, and I'm keeping Base One decor. It's going to be exciting for me. I feel like I'm in a place that many legends have been, and it's very cool. Yeah, that is true. Thank you, because I've been here forever, and I'm a legend. That's right. Yeah. So, like, we want a new name for the new studio, and I don't know what to call it. Like, I'm, Oh, yes. Johnny. What's up? Let's Let's do a contest. Great idea. That's a great idea. Like, let's do a contest for our new studio. We want it to be like kind of sci-fi, you know? Well, vintage uh, rockabilly. Sure. Science fiction. Yeah, I see uh, your brand. I totally get it. Yeah. So like, exactly. So what I'm thinking is, how about this? Whoever is the winning person with the name for the new studio, I'll give them a signed comic of the Liberty Force. Cool. You know what I'm saying? That'd be a cool idea. And a shout out. I think that would be a great idea. I love it. I think it's a great idea. And we might even give them our uh, CD. So why don't we sweeten up the pot a little? Let's do that. 
Yeah. That sounds great. They're going to love it. I know. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be awesome. All right. So, you know what, Raylene? We have a very special guest. And you know what? This is the most interesting guest I think we've ever had on the show thus far. Maybe Apollo Slater is pretty interesting. But this guy, really interesting. I agree. You ready for him? I'm so ready. Okay. So, Victor Pross is a professional Vancouver artist. He is known for his extreme caricaturing and his imaginative artworks. As an artist, Victor has many high-profile commissions to his credit, including painting Ron Howard's caricature portrait as a 50th birthday gift for the famous director, as well as painting various agents of the William Morris Agency. As Canada's premier caricaturist, Victor has rendered numerous international celebrities and Canadian media personalities for commercial and private purposes. Victor Pross has been interviewed on television shows such as Canada AM, Breakfast Television, News at Noon, and has been pegged by Canadian media as Canada's foremost caricature artist. Victor is currently the subject of a documentary movie called Pop Goes the Culture, based loosely on his first book of the same name. Raylene, prepare for liftoff. Copy that, Johnny. Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold beer. Double check. Thrusters are hot. Raylene, are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's blast off with Victor Cross! Victor, thank you so much for being on the show, brother. Well, thank you for having me. That was a really warm and fuzzy uh, introduction. Uh, all melted. Thank you. Are you feeling the G-forces in the in the cabin? I am. <laughs> so, Victor, man, seriously, man, I mean, this is such a cool thing because we always talk about culture and how libertarianism is really kind of lacking the artistic side. We have the politics and the economic side down pat, but we don't have the culture and the arts. And I think, in my opinion, I think that is one of the most important and crucial things in the libertarian movement and what we're doing. We're not capturing that essence of creative expression. We have all the other, it's like we have everything else covered. What got you into this? And do you feel the same way I do about changing culture and that we need to introduce art and aesthetics into the movement so we can actually maybe capture a wider audience than what we currently are well yeah no absolutely i i think that it uh i'm one of the the firm uh espousers of the dictum that uh politics is downstream of culture all begins with culture all begins with culture the universities as we can see are pumping out uh social justice warriors like uh ants from a colony right uh these people that are committing these uh, crimes, these uh, sh- uh, shouting down or shutting down and uh, uh, by the use of violence, conservative speakers and whatnot, and everything is Nazi and blah, blah, blah. These people are coming from the universities. They're not downtrodden, un- uh, uneducated rednecks are, that are doing this. Right. They're coming from the universities. So it all begins with the culture. In fact, insofar as uh, popular culture is, is, is concerned, it's not, just, it's not just the entertainment. It's not just the arts. It's when it comes to an ethical foundation that starts with culture before it uh, culminates into politics. So it all starts with culture, the type of uh, philosophy that dominates the a given uh, region, a, a society, uh, depends upon that, uh, that society's uh, culture. 
that it merely has, and, and the, the uh, politics is just a reflection, is, is just a cast, just a shadow of, of the quality of that, of that culture. And you can see that the vast difference between the East and the West should demonstrate this. And that takes, and that dictates their politics. Right, right. No, I'm with you. What about your views on family concerning culture and society? And what can we do to foster a healthy environment for our future generations? When it comes to the family? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the family. I, I, I spoke once in a, in a podcast about the, uh, the three pillars of society that, uh, that makes up a, uh, a given culture. Uh, the inescapable influence of, uh, starts with, does start with the family. It's the first introduction that we get to, uh, to the, the idea of our interaction with human beings and, and the, uh, the quality of, and our first introduction into human relationships mm-hmm. up close and personal. And it's also, uh, and then next you have, uh, religion where we're all born into some religion or exposed to it in some way. And it all, and that has an enormous impact on the individual as well as the family environment that they're in. And then, and, uh, finally, then you have, uh, the state. The state is all pervasive. It will have it, will have an influence. It, then you have the public indoctrination of the, uh, of, uh, of the so-called uh, school system, all of these institutions, uh, religion, the state, the family shapes the individual, not in some kind of like uh, anti-free will deterministic way. The, the individual always, always retains the power of, of uh, shaking up his, uh, his, his thinking and deciding to think for himself and to shift through all the information that he's getting. Right, right. Uh, but this does uh, the shape the individual. So, uh, so far as the family is concerned, that's just one of the most important pillars, right along with the consideration of uh, religion and the uh, and the and the state. But did you have a more specific question, really, regarding the uh, the uh, uh, the family? How do we foster family unit or understanding when it comes to our future generations? What What do you think that we should be as as responsible woke? individuals who understand that the state is a cult uh, in regards to this I, I i have to um uh you know refer to uh, to molyneux's work on this i i think i'm a keen advocate of uh, of peaceful parenting i've known uh, molyneux back in the 90s we before his internet uh, fame days and uh, we used to talk uh, a lot about these very same subjects we traveled in the same circles in the other uh, '90s, we went. To, we were in our objectivist period. We were up in our in our Ayn Rand uh, fury and discussing these ideas, uh, among other friends as well. And the question, and our we we did discuss our family background as you know in regards to the type of experiences that we had as a family too. So we both agreed that uh, even back then that the idea of uh, raising voices and talking down the, the, to children. And to, uh, to spanking them and so forth. They, they place a great deal of trust into these giants walking among them. Like the, uh, the, the vulnerability of, of, of somebody who's, who realizes on the level that they're able to, that their entire survival and well-being is dependent upon these people around them. You've got to nurture that, 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 uh, that trust and that bond and not damage it by, uh, harsh words, let alone the uh, the physical violence that is, as a matter of fact, uh, what consists of spanking. My question to you, Victor, is in regards to libertarianism and anarcho capitalism and art. I mean, what kind of came first? It's is it like the chicken or the egg, or did they come simultaneously? And you kind of advertise yourself as an anarchist artist. 
And that is really cool because you're making a very bold statement by doing that. But did you get into the arts before the philosophy or was it the philosophy that led you to the arts? Yeah, no, I've, 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 uh, no, I guess I've been an artist or artistically inclined way before I became philosophically self or became aware and engaged in the study of philosophy. That is, I've been drawing ever since I was three years old. Mm -hmm. I do know, I do know this is that certainly the, uh, art is a very important, uh, uh, utility to use for the, uh, for the, uh, activists, for the anarchist activists. Sure. Uh, take for example, uh, there's two books that are that like the, 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 the globally world bestsellers ever that tops any other book would be the first book, according to the uh, Guinness Book of World Records, would be, first of all, the Bible. Right, right. Exactly. All, uh, Atlas Shrugged. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe your, your, your listeners haven't. But why? Why is that the case? Well, the Bible uh, is, is certainly a philosophical tract in a certain extent. It does have issue is it does have a certain metaphysics has a epistemology faith. If metaphysics is a supernatural, uh, the ethics of subjugation and uh, self sacrifice and uh, or whatever you know whatever the ethic is, mm-hmm. but it's told in a story of uh, dramatic scales of good versus evil, and the universe is the is the stage. In, in this uh, in this little opus called the Bible, right? So it's sure. it's got an artistic flair. It, it's got prowess, and then obviously with Atlas Shrugged too is as as is the second second to the Bible, right? And, yeah. Uh, that, wow, and, I did not know that. I didn't yeah. know that. I knew the Bible was number one because that makes yeah. sense. Because everyone owns it doesn't mean they read it, but <laughs> definitely people buy it. I think that's kind of hilarious, actually, because a lot of I know a lot of people who buy the Bible and don't read it. Atlas Shrugged is a great book, though. I didn't know it was number two. I didn't know that either. That's crazy. Number two. No worry. You know, you can Google that and look it up for yourself. It's, it's, it took me uh, by surprise. But yeah, the book continued to sell, it continues to sell in the millions after, what has it been, like 60 years since its publication? Exactly. Yeah. Since the 50s, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, 1957. Yeah. And, uh, and Rand had a whole philosophy of aesthetics as well, you know, in the sense of like she just didn't want to be a writer for her time. She, she wanted to write uh, uh, things that were universal, that said, speaks to the human condition and not just to a certain time and place. It's not, it's not like the book could ever become dated because it deals with uh, universal issues. And that's another thing is that that's why art itself is such a powerful uh, medium of a communication in the communication of uh, certain ideas is because art is, is, is not some dispensable frill. It's not, uh, it's not like a loaf of bread that expires, uh, you know, once a movie comes out or a book comes out, but, uh, oh, that was, that was last year, 10 years ago. I can't enjoy it or anything like that. No, art is, you can still listen to classical music. You can still read the, uh, the poems of the ancient Greeks and, and whatnot. Anywhere at, on the, on the face of the globe, at all times, hundreds and thousands of years, anywhere in the world, you can find that there have been human beings who've congregated, who've created music, or they've created visual depictions, paintings on the walls and the, in the caves of the caveman days as the, as the, uh, bromide goes. And it's universal. It, it's, it's, it's just as, uh, uh, innate to us as the, the ability and the need to speak, uh, to communicate, to speak a language. Uh, for our capacity to reason, our capacity for mathematics, art is right up there that distinctly makes us uh, human beings. And that's why we've always had it and always will. And if we don't have it, then we're not talking about a human being. We're talking about some other kind of species. Then. Uh-huh. Well, 
um, illustrations and caricatures are kind of what you're known for. It's signature art style for you. So what freedom does that type of art give you in the creative process? And what would your other art form be if you had to choose something different? Well, caricature has a no, uh, you know, a good uh, noble uh, uh, background, uh, history to it of, of uh, taking on the uh, the powerful mm-hmm. and uh, mocking them, diminishing them, them cutting them down to size. For these pompous uh, people, like like po- uh, politicians, these these violent pompous people who carry a certain amount of uh, dignity with them and a certain amount of awe from the uh, the fawning uh, public who, who believes in this uh, in, in the that's being pumped at them. You, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. When you, uh, when you parry to them, you know, and when you, and you may, if you make somebody laugh, you cannot revere somebody and laugh at the same time. The laughter cancels out revering them. Right. Wow. Well, that's why it becomes a powerful uh, weapon. So caricature has always had that, that uh, nobility to it. How, uh, how it began really uh, with uh, Da Vinci or Da Vinci, uh, who was experimenting with the human uh, form of human expression. And he was just experimenting with the physiognomy of, of the face uh, as an artistic uh, exercise. But later on, it became uh, uh, a medium, a genre for uh, parody and satire to, uh, because, you know, when you stretch a person's features out, they can kind of look kind of silly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like, here's the thing, like Walter Block, we've had him on a few shows ago. And he was talking about sociobiology. And I was actually thinking, is art, right, needed for a culture or a tribe to survive? And there's, has there been any historical proofs of that actually occurring? Like, so if a culture does have art, then they're more likely to survive. Their tribe or group of people are more. There, you know, there must be value in it. Exactly. Exactly. No, there must be value in it. I mean, if there is a, yeah, if, if a tribe didn't have artwork, right? They would die off, I'm assuming. And what historical evidence do we have to back that up? Yeah, well, the uh, well, I consider any part of uh, the historic the historicity of backing that up is, like I said, any 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 culture at any time has always had uh, art or the equivalent of it. Uh, so that that backs it up there. That's that's not. Uh, it's just our natural want. But so far as the the value of it is concerned, it's not. It's not like art, uh, um, somebody goes like, yeah, if you were stranded on a d- deserted island, would food and nutrition be your concern or, or art? Well, I would say, well, the, the, the freaking food for Christ. <laughs> <sake."> yeah, right. <laughs> no, exactly. But in a civilization, in a society, though, that that's really becomes no problem given the given the division of labor. You know, we, we can focus while we're focusing on our physical survival. We can we can also uh, focus on the the nourishment of our mind that makes our physical su- survival possible in the first place. We have to yeah. nourish. Yes, that, that uh, we we have to have purpose. We have to have a reason of why we're getting out of bed. The, the uh, life that we live is uh, transitory. I don't believe in life after death. I think that this is it. And for the span of the uh, 60, 70, 80 years that we have, we have to be driven by a purpose. There is no purpose that's external to us in the universe that people like to externalize their purpose onto God or the state or whatnot. But the uh, the purpose that we have is within us. And we have mm. to find out what makes this life uh, worthwhile right. by engaging right. activities. And art is one of the is one of the fuels that gives is a fuel that uh, that uh, sends us off into that noble purpose 
of finding a purposeful life because you need that emotional fuel. Mm-hmm. You ever, uh, once in a while, if you get so inspired by, it could be a play, it could be a poem, it could be a piece of music. And, uh, that's, that's the type of thing that's indispensable, uh, in the motivation of carrying out a purposeful life. You need the motivation for that purposeful life and art plays a big part in that. When I say art, I just don't mean the visual arts. I mean, I mean the entire category of what uh, constitutes art. You have that with uh, sculpture. You have that with plays. You have that with uh, motion pictures as a hair to the novel. And you have that with dance. You have that with music. And you have that with the visual arts. We need that. We need all of that. Well, I was going to ask you how being an artist enables you to understand humanity from a different perspective. But you can answer that or you can just tell me how you've connected to your political views through the medium. Yeah, that's a good question. The, uh, uh, yeah, certainly just later on when I was, became an, a, uh, uh, an anarchist and I was a anarchist for the longest time or an objectivist. But then when I made the transition uh, philosophically, it did have an effect and influence on, uh, on the direction of my art. I noticed that some of my earlier uh, depictions, when I, even when I was 19 years old, I would uh, I would draw wicked-looking, uh, mischievous-looking cops with some guy uh, wreathing at his feet who's just been hit by uh, a club or something like that. I used to do some drawings like that as a teenager. You know, it was like the the, the inner anarchist coming out, and 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 so I I would report on all these different things, and it helped me articulate my my own thoughts. You know, like in such a way as it's like it was like a journal actually you know all the, my sketchbooks has uh, acted as a journal so i was just sorting out all of these thoughts but now that i'm uh, an explicit uh anarchist anytime that i do a like a, a politically themed painting i know what i'm doing it's not an exploratory i i am communicating uh you know a specific message in that that's very cool victor you are doing a documentary it's called pop goes the culture and can you tell us a little bit about this documentary you've been working on? You said it, you've been working on it for like five years. That is really cool. Like that seems like a huge project. And what do you want to accomplish with this documentary? Well, yeah, first of all, the, uh, the documentary, I can say just first and foremost, as a, as a, not only as an anarchist artist, but as an anarcho capitalist that uh, I hope to make a buck off it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Got to get paid, <laughs> and, to, and to, uh, to raise my profile, and uh, you know, to uh, get uh, more aware of, and uh, to, you know, to, to garner commissions of it. But at the same time, too, it's not just about the almighty dollar. I actually want to make a very, uh, as just as an artistic piece, I want to make something that's satisfying to me that way as well. So I just don't want to turn out any crap and go as oh, as, you know, as long as I get paid for it or anything like that. No, I. I'm seeing to the uh, to the quality of it as, as well, and uh, so even though I am the subject matter, you know, like uh, ego aside, I, I, I want it to be a quality piece of work where people get uh, where people are entertained, where people are probably get a, a good uh, wake up call as well, because it does have that. Even though it does focus on many different elements like my background and the influences and, and the art and uh, the medium of caricature itself and painting techniques and uh, my interactions with, uh, with other people. Walter Block is in it. Mark Emery is in it. Lauren Southern is in it. So that all gets the entertainment value as well. But at the same time too, to really uh, to get that, the anarchism in there because it's a very, it's a very important uh, part of me. 
So it will be in there. And it's just another way. It's just another medium of uh, sending out a message, but also in a very entertaining way. Awesome. Yeah. You know, one of the things, too, is, is that when uh, the producer, the uh, the person who approached me, the, uh, her name is uh, Shelly Morton, and she's a uh, filmmaker here in uh, Vancouver. She's got a, some uh, uh, award-winning uh, documentary, so I have faith that she'll do a, a good job. And uh, the funny thing here is, is that the um, she said that uh, what's popular these days, as far as the documentaries is concerned, is one, dealing with controversy, mm-hmm. controversial subjects. Right. Another one is uh, dealing with the arts. See that's there again. It speaks to about the uh, the 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 uh, the value, the premium that we place on art because that's what people are searching for. It they're looking for it. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and like that's why like uh, cable TV is drying up, and everybody's going over to uh, Netflix and uh, Hulu, HBO because it's like it's 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 getting like unfiltered creativity. Exactly. Free markets, innovation. Yep. And and. With the art, you're totally correct. I So I'm a huge movie person. I feel that's an art form that really speaks to me because it's so much easier to empathically connect to characters because I'm a people person. So for me, movies really can speak. They have music in them, visual, camera angles, symbolism. It has it all for me. So I really love movies. So I, I'm very excited about what you're doing. I cannot wait to see what you make. Yes, and here's the thing also, Victor. It's like there's guys and there's not a lot of libertarian musicians. I think that's another thing that I think is also important. I mean, I think we need to hit the front on a lot of different levels. We have music, we have visual arts, we have movies, we have, you know, basically motion pictures, television shows. We have not really explored that market. You know, us as libertarians, again, we're focused in on economics, politics, and that's about it. It's great. We have that market. We have that market. We own that. But it's really hard to get that message out there if we're not utilizing those things. Now, my, I guess my ultimate question would be in the entertainment industry or, or the arts, there's a lot of lefties. There's a lot of commies, right? And they're our enemy and they have dominated this industry. What I want to know from you though, you obviously have peers who are fellow artists that you're friends with. You're in Canada. So you're obviously surrounded by a lot of lefties. Yeah. My question to you is, how do you interact with your peers and how do they view your ideology? My peers. Yeah. Well, we could take, we could take, uh, uh, Shelly Morton as, as one example, who's the, uh, as I just indicated, is the uh, producer for, uh, pop goes the culture. And, uh, she was, like I was saying, she was saying she was rattling off the list of what's popular, uh, you know, controversy, the arts. And even though she's calling for that, like she's, she's somebody who's, uh, as the film has progressed over the years and as she's heard my views and uh, here I am doing my job by being controversial. I'm that ending. I'm, uh, I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm meeting up to my end of the bargain. <laughs> but right. Still, right. But, uh, but, uh, but this has caused her to get a little bit unhinged though, at the same time though. Right. So she's, she's let her professionalism drop once in a while and, uh, she's become unhinged. She, uh, Remember one time that the, uh, just to let you know, like I'm the, uh, uh the founder and organizer for, uh, uh, an, uh, events that I've held here in Vancouver called the real sons of anarchy, you know, ba- based on the television show, like a homage, okay. a little wake. Right. Right. And, uh, and there's, there's another thing too, you know, Johnny Rotten, the sex pistols, anarchy and sons of anarchy. Here's a, here's another reinforcement of uh, a reinforcing view of a negative horrific mm-hmm. consequences of anarchy. You see, and that's the, the popular, that's the pop culture 
the, right. the pop culture version of anarchy that people are fed, right? So, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I hold these, uh, the, these events called the Real Sons of Anarchy, and Walter Block has been speaking at them. And the one time I've been, I've been holding these events, she's, maybe she's filmed like three or four of them. One time, just all of a sudden, and this was like the pre-election to, to uh, Trump and uh, Hillary when, the, when that campaign was really going on. One time when I held an event and taking questions from the audience, who do I hear a question from? Lo and behold, from the darkness of the stage, and I can't see out into the audience, but I recognize the voice of Shelley standing up when I was taking my shots at Hillary on stage, right? Yeah. <laughs> And she stands up and, and what do you think about Trump? You know, it's like, yeah, I could tell. And she was like triggered because I was taking on Hillary. Right? So, uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> this is awesome. my producer. Okay, come on now. <laughs> We're on the same team here. Anyways, though, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. And I'm here with my Ray of Truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Thanks, guys. Anyways, though, we're talking to Victor Pross. And Victor, you can find him at www.popgoestheculturemovie.com. Again, that's popgoestheculturemovie.com. Anyways, though, if you like the show, please check us out at blastoffshow.com or you can support us at our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash blastoffpodcast or support blastoff.com. Anyways, those Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas. Next up, we have Rocket Fire. So stick around. We'll be right back. Rock and roll. Ground control here. Just wanted to pop in real quick before this much-needed commercial break to beg for more subscribers over at Patreon. You know, Johnny is a fat capitalistic pig. He's filthy rich, and he only cares about himself. But please, donate to the show for mine and Raylene's sake. He only pays us a dollar a day while he keeps us slaving away. So anything you can do would be awesome. So please head on over to supportblastoff.com to spread the wealth. Thank you. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. Oh yeah! Thank you, thank you. Johnny, are you having a blast or what? I, yeah, I'm, I'm blast off. Of course I am. This is what this yeah. show's about. And uh, uh. our guest is from Canada. <laughs> so I figured I'd throw that joke in there. He put 
But it was a, I think it's great. I mean, this guy, Victor is awesome. And I really, we were talking during the break. And I mean, this guy is just awesome. I love what he is doing. And I really appreciate that there are artists out there. I think there there is a lack thereof of libertarian artists. And I'm not just saying visual arts. I'm saying altogether. The, I think to be a good libertarian, you have to be logic-based. But I also think that there is some expression that is needed for us to sell the message. I think that the heart is just as important as the as, mind. Yeah. As the, yes, the logic. So I really connect to people who understand what natural law written on our hearts really means Ooh, and what's inspiring. So. I love it. Anyways, well, Victor, thank you so much for being here, man. And again, you can check them out at popgoesaculturemovie.com. And it, it, dude, I saw a preview of it or a little snippet of it you sent me. Looks great. I think it looks fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. The, uh, you're, you're speaking of the trailer. Yeah. So yeah, people can uh, easily uh, YouTube that if they're curious themselves. I encourage them to take a look at the trailer and to learn and to, to uh, look at the art. They've been hearing about it. So take a look. Right on. So check this out. What we do here on the second segment, it's called Rocket Fire. What we do on Rocket Fire, sirs, I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions will be politically or philosophically related. And if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. Victor, are you ready to play? Rocket Fire. Rock and, fire. Rock and roll. All right, here we go. Question one. Is politics plus art propaganda? And if so, is it a good thing? Propaganda is not necessarily a negative word. It means the, uh, the marriage and the communication of the uh, ideology or an idea in an artistic medium. And uh, really, it's the, the message that matters. But the propaganda, as such, does have a negative connotation to it, but it's not necessarily ne- negative. Okay, right on, man. Question two. Is art mechanical or is it mostly organic? Mechanical or organic? Yeah, uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, the uh, I would say it's uh, organic in the sense of that I've already uh, stated throughout the show that it's something that's innate, it's distinctly human. It's a part of our our capacity, just as much as to speak a language and uh, and uh, to engage in mathematics and whatnot. But the uh, mechanical part comes into the application, the util- the utilizing that which is natural within us through various mediums, whether that's the paintbrush or the uh, guitar pluck. That's, there you go, man. Rock and roll. Question three. Would you consider memes the current trend in libertarian artistic expression? Yeah, memes, uh, when they're done well, they, uh, they, can, they like art. They can communicate a, a, a message that can be that's accessible to most people. Art has a greater capacity for that, uh, that, uh, that uh, bypasses considerations of education or, or background. And uh, a meme can just really make a point, uh, a razor sharp point right on the spot that's grasped right away that can uh, generate further thought when it's done well. Right. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Question four. Do you think art and libertarianism are a natural fit and is there conflict and what is your reasoning? Conflict between art and libertarianism? Absolutely not. There's no conflict whatsoever. Right on. There's my short, brief answer. There you go. Question five. What is the most statist thing about you? We all got that one thing. What is your thing? (laughs) What is the most statist thing about me? Yeah. We all have one. (laughs) Well, you know, the, the, uh, if you haven't been aware, like I've been at the controversy of, uh, of, uh, of this uh, open and closed border issue. I don't know if you've gotten the, uh, the ring around on that at all. I did not. No, but I'd like to hear about it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's too lengthy right now, but just briefly, this is that the, uh, I'm, I'm one who does not advocate, uh, open or closed borders. There seems to be like this false economy that if you're for 
that if you speak for closed borders, or excuse me, that uh, there's only door number one, door number two, and not door number three, which means a stateless society, and uh, in, in which I would only, in which I would encourage and uh, recognize the importance of uh, private property norms as a border. Yes. Great answer. I agree 100%, dude. I agree. Market borders, basically. Market borders. Here, there's a, there, there's my statism right there. Right there, there you go. Border. It's not even statism. I mean, that's just free market borders, property rights. Exactly. I'm being facetious on that one. Question six. How would fine art survive in a free society or would it? Would fine art survive in a free society? Yes. Yeah, because a lot of people tend to think that uh, that the uh, the dumb out the dumb down arts the uh, the pop arts is something that's all capitalism is about. It's just some executive <laughs> who are uh, creating boy bands and manufactured studios. It's all aesthetic and things like that. No, a free market would enable uh, alternative and uh, the, the continuation of the uh, of the fine arts. It's not something that's hoity toity in the culture. It's not to be soiled with economics and things like that. That's just another false economy that I detect in the question. I may, I may very well be wrong to the person who asked the question, but uh, no, the uh, the fine arts would, would continue to, to, to flourish in, the, in a free society. Right on, man. I, I, no, I'm with you. I just figured I'd let you answer that question. I, was just, I know it would. Okay. Uh, question seven. In your fight against the state, when is it time to put down the brush and pick up a gun? At what point? The... Uh, if the if uh, censorship was unilateral and even and on an ever escalating scale beyond what it is right now, or what's peeping around the corners, we're on a very dangerous uh, slippery slope curve right now when it comes to censorship. But if it, if it just became too obvious and too blatant and too brazen, and if uh, taxation took at a point of sixty to seventy percent, I would say that it would be time for armed rebellion. Dude, that's a great, great answer. Question eight. Why do artists only seem to achieve notoriety after their death? And what is your opinion? Notoriety only after they're, they're dead? Yeah, like Kurt Cobain. Like that dude was like, no, you know, people like Nirvana, but like when he died, they became bigger. Oh, that's a very good question. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of artists who gained quite a, a big heap of notoriety during their lifetime. But uh, the... Uh, but insofar as the uh, like the the arts are concerned, you know, like the uh, the, the myth of the starving artist who, whose works are discovered only after he's dead was something that was spearheaded by uh, by Van by Van Gogh. But there's been a lot of uh, powerhouse uh, players, uh, uh, artists such as uh, Picasso or Dali, who were successful artists during their lifetime. Right. Maybe you want to rephrase the question. Maybe I didn't answer it correctly. What uh, you no, had no, 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 no. That's that's good. That's good, dude. You're good to go. Question one. You as an artist, how has intellectual property hurt you and your craft, or has it? Intellectual property, yeah. You know, uh, the if somebody, I've noticed that some people, the people like they'll they'll fling my art around and they'll 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 post it and repost it and uh, and maybe maybe there's some people who've even made some coffee mugs uh, from the certain images or sold prints or whatever. I mean, I I don't really care. I don't really care. I wouldn't want anybody to claim uh, like authorship. And say, I painted that. Right. They sold some T-shirts out of the trunk of a car or whatever. This would necessarily be something that would be, be a, such a small scale thing and not hardly a cottage, cottage industry that I have to worry about it. Uh, so it really means nothing to me. It has no really, it really has no negative bearing upon me. Right on, man. The question 10. If you couldn't be an artist, what would you do for a living? Writer. You'd be a writer. Right on, man. And why? That's what I'm already. That's what I'm already doing. So I would just uh, I would <laughs> make a nat natural transition to that as as a choice. 
<laughs> right on, man. And the bonus question. How is being a Canadian harder for you to spread the ideas of libertarianism with the limited free speech that you have there? Yeah, yeah. Well, not to also to mention that the fact that the uh, in Vancouver is kind of like the uh, left wing center of Canada. That's right. It is. We're not that far from each other, actually. Yeah. So uh, sorry. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> OK. How has being a Canadian harder for you to spread the ideas of libertarianism with the things like free speech, the limited free speech. Oh, yes, it's it's a pesky thing called my fellow Canadians. <laughs> okay. That's what's made it difficult. Yeah, 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 exactly. My fellow Canadians in Vancouver. Yeah, no exactly. Here we go. That's Rocket Fire. Give it up for Victor Cross. Anyways, though, this is Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas in your direction. I'm here at my Ray of Truth, and we're talking to Victor Pross. You can check him out at popgoestheculturemovie.com. Anyways, though, we're going to be right back after this commercial break, so stick around. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, this is Blast Off of Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my ray of truth, Miss Raylene Lighthart. Hi, guys. Thank you. And we're talking. That was like the fake crowd in the room. Uh, And then we're talking to Victor Frost. Yeah. Dude, great job. Great job on the rocket fire, man. Seriously, good stuff. And uh, I really talking to you guys. You guys are a blast. Oh, thank you. Hence the show name. (laughs) Hence the show name. To continue the the, the rocket. Yeah. Yeah, There we go. Yeah, exactly. The theme. Dude, thank you so much for being here, and it's been such an honor. I'm serious. Like, I am blown away by how cool you are. And Yeah, uh, I can tell, Johnny, you really like this guy. This is wonderful. Good yeah. job, Victor. Yeah. He, he's talked to everybody. He talks to everyone. He's done almost all of the libertarian personalities and politicians and, and, and even um, economists. And so it's this is a honor. This is kind yeah, of a treat it. for me because I, I, I love talking about economics, and I love talking about stuff like that, but... Normally, when we find an artist, I'm like, I get excited about it because this is a fresh thing. It's like, it's not the the normal thing. Like most libertarians are very political and very logical. And it's good to have that left-right brain division. And it's it's cool to talk about this other stuff, like this alternate universe of libertarian thought. And I think it's just cool because a lot of people just don't even think about it, you know, and I... you know, it's well, lacking. It's the spectrum, right, Johnny? Like it the is. whole picture. And and I like that. The the, the downstream situation we were talking about in the, yeah, the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is. I mean, like, if we don't change the culture, we're never gonna spread this message. And all, all I think we're doing right now as libertarians is that we're just pissing people off. Like we're slowing down. Nah. If even if that, we're just slowing the state down. At this point, cult- the, the culture of our is statism. That we are all partaking in this this 
the state is a cult. Yeah, and it is. We are it's a religion. And we have to plant seeds and change people from the inside out. That's yeah. right. But what I'm getting at, though, is what we're doing. And I, I, Victor, I don't know if you agree, but all we're doing is really slowing, I think, by us being the messengers of liberty. All I think we're doing is just we're keeping enough people in the movement to help slow down corruption and overreach from the state. What do you think? Just to, to, to uh, slow down as opposed to an acceleration or anything that could be more effective, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I should really qualify the um, my a previous answer I gave on something in, re- in regards to um, uh, armed rebellion. That might sound a little extreme and scary uh, to people. If, I, if we were to face like a, a complete shutdown of a, like a censorship where you have like people being arrested for thought crimes and mm-hmm. something that's going on in the UK, you know, like you could be visited by the authorities. If you say anything against the, uh, the government's uh, policies of importing third world uh, imports uh, from the, from the third world imports and setting them up on the welfare system and, uh, and the, uh, the escalation in crimes that's surpassing even like uh, New York and London, acid attacks, the uh, trucks of peace and things like that, the random, right, uh, inexplicable uh, uh, stabbing sprees that are going on to, to speak rape. against that. Yeah. Rape, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, speak, uh, to, to be speaking against that or to question the uh, policies of, of the politicians as being pegged as, uh, uh, as hate crimes. Right. Get that to a certain extent where, you know, like you have no freedom of expression whatsoever. We're talking about a clampdown on censorship and, uh, uh, and, and there has to, there has to be a line drawn somewhere in, in, in the, in the sand where it becomes a matter of armed uh, rebellion. But the, the unfortunate thing there is, is that, of course, that does not mean necessarily that people question the apparatus of the state as a whole. They're just questioning that specific government that's in power right now, not the concept of a government. So armed, so the, uh, to, to, uh, to use like another Molyneux uh, metaphor here is, is that, uh, uh, a church that's struck by lightning uh, doesn't produce a bumper crop of uh, rational atheists all, all of a sudden, right? Right, right, right. right crashed and tumbled to the ground right so it all it is a matter of uh, education and uh and and awakening you know the the, uh, the the enormous power of the state you know a lot of people tend to think of it as like some godzilla monster uh thomas hobbs leviathan that's just uh, like a this enormous uh, giant and with insurmountable uh, means of overwhelming power and they do have that don't get me wrong they have uh, the military might they have the guns and they have the cops and things like that. But to a population of 35 million, 40 million, like whatever, you know, society we're talking about here, they're vastly out, uh, outnumbered. If people truly saw it, it, at a, it, it, to such an extent of critical mass, uh, a, a mass awakening of such a critical proportions of seeing these people for who they are. Right. Find that their power is slipping away and you would not need a single drop of blood whatsoever if yes. that awakening took place at such an extent. If you just simply saw them for what they are, just simply see them for what they are. The emperor wears no clothes. Interesting. That's right. Uh, what is a commonality link or trait that you see in, in libertarians and anarchists? And is it more difficult for certain personality types to understand and live? Oh, good question. Yeah, the, uh, the the libertarian types. If you're talking about the minarchist one, who uh, who who uh, real who they themselves realize what an impediment uh, the government is, they'll be the first ones to bitch about that the uh, everything that they, they touch uh, turns to crap. 
they, they should stay out of A, B, and C out of economics. And just, I just want to, I want a small state that's the size that could be drowned in a bathtub to use a Lauren Southern uh, quote. They just can't get away from the idea that the, uh, uh, that the state uh, as a matter of essence as to the entire, what gives its entire foundation, its entire identity, its entire um, uh, definition yeah. is initiatory violence. If you separate it from any answer, any other institution, you have to narrow it down. Of all the things that it has in common with other institutions, that it has a, co- a code of conduct that is comprised of people, uh, it's uh, certain rituals are carried out, uh, like all the all the non-essential characteristics aside from any other institution. The one that singles it out is, is, is its capacity for violence. That's right. They have a monopoly of force. But it is preempted law. It is preempted like codes of conduct, how we are to conduct ourselves with our fellow human beings. Right. Like we do need that. We do need a, a system of laws, not political laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, a system of law would be the natural law, for example, exactly. not aggression. Yep. Right. Uh, and uh, so people, they, they can't separate that. The fact that we do need a system of jurisprudence, of uh, code of conduct, uh, an understanding in society, there would be institutions. Uh, we do need uh, protection against those. Uh, in a, there is no utopian anarchist society. There's, violence would still be a problem. But now we can, instead of like uh, uh, centralizing that violence, uh, it would be something would be a, a, of more of a local problem to be, uh, and uh, we would have apparatuses in place such as DROs, right. Uh, right? Defense resolutions, because we realize that people will disagree and violence will escalate. That's why we have, all, uh, that's why we speak of uh, privatizing the police. That's why we, et cetera, et cetera. So right. the apparatus of what the state serves, jurisprudence, conflict resolution, blah, 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 blah. People cannot separate the necessity for those things. The, the state and community. And and if we had a community uh, atmosphere that we understood that we were had to be self-governing, that we have to get along with our neighbors, that we can't just call the cops when somebody walks by our house because we don't like it. Instead, we go out there and find out what they're there for. And we have more patience. We have to be kind of policing ourselves and yep. holding each other accountable in a, in a more community manner. That said, what is the difference between people who can go all the way to anarchy and the people who don't get it is the, is there a difference in personality type? Yeah, well, that, that that that's a that's a very big question. You mean that in personality type? If you mean like uh, the uh, like Molyneux breaks down of the different personality types and things like that, 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 that that's a, a very large question. I don't. I, I just take myself as a as a model. There's nothing that I really could get into. Uh, a substantive answer to right now because it's not something I don't want to bore your, your, your listeners with. But I can say this though. I can say this. I take myself as a model. I don't think that I'm so spectacularly, uh, miraculous, like I'm some genius of the, of the, of the generations. I'm such a unique breed of human being. Really? Don't you know? Really? I'm, I'm, a, I'm just a guy. I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, like uh, most people, I, uh, put my, one uh, leg into the pan at one time. I, uh, yep. I get I, if you poke me, I bleed. Uh, I have all the uh, the, the uh, emotions of anybody else. Now, if I can figure out anybody else, <laughs> I love it. And, and, I love that. Yeah, you're yeah, right. So if uh, those people who continue in the face of overwhelming evidence and all the information, everything is at our disposal right now. We don't live in a. We we do have the internet. We do have. Uh, for the last, for the most part, for the last 
whatever, 15, 20 years that it's been around. It's been the, the new Gutenberg press for Christ's sakes. It's, we have the, the, the access to information and knowledge that we have at our fingertips is incredible. And the re- and if we don't do it, we can just blame it onto that individual. They're just evading. Yes. They're just yes. acting cowardly and they don't have to be that way. They have the capacity to, to change. So I really have very little sympathy for people who, who, uh, who can't see what's taking place, uh, in, in, in the world uh, today under their, under their governments. You know, when, and when they, uh, when they blew line and, uh, uh, evangelized the, uh, the police or the politicians, uh, they got to know deep down, deep down somewhere in them, they know that it's, that it's a fraud, that they, when they, when they engage in the voting process, it's, it's either for the purpose of, uh, trying to, uh, get the shackles off them or to place it all on their, their fellow citizen. That's the whole apparatus of, uh, of voting is to make life more comfortable for yourself, but at the expense of, uh, of your fellow citizen, which becomes, like a, just another form of a civil war in a certain way, the, the whole voting apparatus, the entire system, the way that it's set up is, is, is one of, uh, of win and loser and a predator, a victim and a predator. That's, that's, that's a system that we have inherent that creates a, a, a false division. The, uh, yeah. just the fact that we have a division between the, the, the Hillary's and the, the Trump supporters and things like that is because of the apparatus that the, there is a state. That's right. I know I'm with you. And like, here's the thing. You brought up a great point you were talking about that we all know. And I think everyone deep down, I think, does know. But I think it's a lot of intellectual laziness. And I also think it's peers. I, I think it's it, it's fear based, but it's also peer based. I'm going to I'm going to use both of those words because peer. peer and fear, because here's the thing. Like, if you say something, you know, what would be considered radical, right? People of your peers might go, you're crazy. You're crazy. And we're afraid of that. And Mm -hmm. and people are afraid to be different because we are in a society of, you know, like one of these kids is doing his own thing, you know, and and that is what it is, (laughs) you know, like, like we're afraid to not be part of the tribe. And as soon as we start stepping outside of the tribe, we all want acceptance. So if you say radical, like we are on the show, we scare people off. We're afraid. I think the average person is afraid because they don't want to be that guy because they want to be part of the tribe. And I think it's tribalism also that is. Kept- I think people are just afraid that they, that it won't, it can't happen right. because we've been indoctrinated. That's I mean, right. look at, uh, we just had Tim Moen on. I love who, Tim. Who, you like Tim, right? right? Yeah, no, of course I like Tim. Yeah, no, I've spoken with him at the Sons of Anarchy events that I've uh, spoke of earlier. Yeah, he's been his fellow speaker. Yeah, he's fantastic. And he was talking about the healthcare system in Canada. And I asked why everybody likes it there when, he started describing what it was actually like and then having us in America and our, and our medical system is messed up. It has not been free market in a very long time. That said, we can still go outside and purchase things if we want them. The fact that he can't even get a blood test and purchase it because it's illegal, that blows my mind that that's, all these people uh, in Canada that's right. think that they're getting the, that this is great and they love it and it's because they don't know anything else. They don't know there's thing else out there. That's all these people that promote public education in America. They've been indoctrinated for generations and they think this is good enough. They do not understand what good is, you know? Wow. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and in regards to the, uh, the, the, the whole peer thing, you know, the, um, uh, I've, I've arrived at a point in time. I've developed, uh, 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 
when I was a teenager, I, I decided at a certain point in time, uh, I want to see the world through my own eyes. I've been, you know, you, you get bombarded with a lot of information. Uh, the police are good. God loves you. Uh, the government is, is there to protect you, right? So we're fed all types of uh, propaganda. The culture is laced with and lies. It's, it's, the, the fraud is, 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 is unbelievable. And I've decided a long time ago, no, I want to see the world through my own eyes. I, I want, and, and, uh, and not to con- construct a, 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 you know, a fanciful, uh, abstract, subjective, emotionally driven uh, theories in my own head for my own amusement. No, to see the facts. Right. To genuinely to want to see the facts of the world that I live in. Right. And I finally got to a stage and here's a revelation for those people who are fearful of their peers or what other people will think if they're, if they start questioning these things. I arrived at the stage of where I'm able to say, I don't. That's right. That's the way to I, do it. I, I do not. What about like dry? Now, what about social ostracism? And, and I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be the only uh, lonely person on the island. Ooh, oh, I'm so alone. I'm so lonely. That's right. It's, it's, That's true, though. It is. There always will be people out there who will listen to you and sympathize with your side. Bro, I'm glad that you spoke up because I had the same kind of thoughts. You will always oh, yeah. find your tribe out That's there. That's right. That's awesome. So, yes. so there's, there's this crap about like, oh, you'll be lonely if you speak and nobody will ever want to talk to you. You know what? The, the people that where I've come forth with my genuine thoughts, not to, be, to, to purposely be an antagonizer or a provocateur. No, just genuinely communicating my thoughts. Of course, I've uh, uh, unsettled people. Of course, uh, relationships have gone by the wayside. I've, uh, I'm estranged from uh, members of, 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 uh, of my family. Uh, not all of them, but some of them. And now I realize family or otherwise, it, it, if these people do not accept me for the, the person that I, that, that I am and, and, the, and, uh, and, and the communication of these ideas that are important to me, uh, and if I'm just uh, belittled and uh, put down and smacked down, th- those are the, you don't want those people in your life, for God's sake. It's the abuse cycle. I'm with we you. have to end all yeah. those cults. That's you right. should be happy to, to, to filter these people out of your life. Right on. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. You're absolutely right. Hey, Raleen, prepare for landing. Roger that, Johnny. Seat belts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders. NAP initiated. Anti-state superchargers. Defragged and woke. Landing lights and guest websites. Victor, give us your dot coms. Yeah, so popgoestheculturemovie.com. Check that out. You'll see some samples of the art. Anybody who cares to uh, just uh, befriend me at Facebook, I am the friendly curmudgeon anarchist artist, so don't uh, be shy there. That's fine. Awesome, awesome. Anyways, so this is Johnny Rocket, and make sure if you guys are on iTunes, you guys are listening to us on iTunes, make sure you go to the Launchpad Media, give us a five-star review. That would be badass. And if you do like this show and you like what Victor is talking about, please join us on the After Party. You can find it at supportblastoff.com. Again, that's supportblastoff.com. Anyways, so I'm here with my ray of truth, Miss Ridley Lightheart. Thanks, everyone. And don't forget, if you want to listen to Johnny and I talking about the show afterwards, you can just pay $2 a show to get both the After Party and the All Nighter. Right on. Anyway, so we're talking to Victor Pross. Thank you so much, sir, for being on the show. You're a pretty cool dude, man. Actually, you're a real badass. I love it, man. We're going to actually talk to him on the After Party. So we have a couple questions for you from our listeners. 
And again, please check us out at supportblastoff.com. Anyways, this is Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas, and we'll see you next week. Rock and roll.